Hello and welcome to Front and Center, a show dedicated to insights and perspectives on commercial real estate investment across the public and private markets. Produced by Center Square Investment Management, Front and Center hosts timely and relevant conversations with firm thought leaders about the trends and drivers impacting the global real estate asset class. For more information, please visit centersquare.com. Welcome back to another episode of Front and Center. I'm Uma Moriarty, Senior Investment Strategist and Global ESG Lead at Center Square. And I'm here today with Scott Crow, Chief Investment Strategist and President, as well as Rob Goldstein, the Portfolio Manager for our listed real estate securities platform. Rob has been at Center Square for over a decade, and given his expertise across the residential space especially, he's a perfect person to have here today as we really dig into one of the major thematics that we've been following here at Center Square, which is the impact of demographic shifts on real estate. So thanks for joining us today, Rob. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So thinking about these demographic trends, Rob, we really tend to think about millennials and then baby boomers. So tell us why, you know, these are the generations that really matter to us when we're thinking about these demographics. Yeah, so I think most importantly, is just the sheer size. These are the two largest generations in American history. Uh, their influence on the economy, politics, culture is is immense. And how they impact different aspects of real estate is very important and near and dear to us. So just to, to level set where we are, what we're talking about, millennials today are Think about late 20s to early 40s, and boomers are 60s to late 70s, I would say. So those are kind of the age groups today that we're looking at. I would highlight a few cultural aspects and attributes specific to the millennial generation. So this is the first group to grow up with the internet and social media. They're much more tech savvy and uh, willing and ready to adopt new technologies and new ways of, of shopping, of living, of, of, of doing everything. Uh, they've also seen a much more delayed entry into adulthood relative to prior generations. So they're getting married a little bit later. They're having kids later, uh, again, which certainly have an impact on where they prefer to both live, you know, and work and, and play. Um, so those are important in terms of how we think about real estate demand. And then lastly would be just their financial condition. They do have the most student debt in, in history, been often noted in the media. There's, uh, you know, in many cases, immense struggles to find affordable housing, both for rent, but particularly to, to purchase as well. So where we are today, millennials, again, you know, think about early to, to mid 30s for the, the largest cohort. They're aging into family creation lifestyle. And then boomers on the other side, they're at the twilights of their careers. They're retiring and entering a care driven lifestyle. So these both, as you can imagine, have very big implications for, for real estate overall. So, Rob, you mentioned, you know, family creation as millennials age up. I mean, how, how is that all affecting the real estate market from a housing perspective? Yeah, it's a good question. And there's two important factors here. And the first that I think is more obvious that more people you know, think of is where, where they're heading, right? So millennials, it's pretty clear that they are seeking out a single family lifestyle. They're, they're looking for, you know, homes in the suburbs with more space proximate to, to schools that they desire. And then you have work from home post-COVID that really added an extra layer to demand. And then from there, you know, they identify the desire to be in a single family home. The next question is buy or rent. And as I mentioned at the outset, affordability is, is an issue. Supply of homes is an issue. And with mortgage rates, you know, north of 7% today and prices continuing to march higher, we're seeing more and more uh, millennials in particular 
choose to rent and, and remain renters for longer. And I would just call out the average age of a new single family rental resident is 39 years old. So the kind of pig in the python for the millennial cohort is early 30s. So we still have uh, several years until that that individual uh, uh, you know hits the the average age of 39 for a new single family rental resident. What's also important to think about is where they're leaving. So I'll give you an example of what we saw play out years ago now, which was student housing. So millennials had been a driving force behind the growth of college enrollment and developers built based on the expectation of continued enrollment growth, which led to oversupply as millennials aged out of those college years. Something that we're monitoring closely, which you know, we don't hear too much about in the in the media in particular is apartments. And clearly the the age breakdown of an apartment resident is different from, you know, the four year college student. But the prime multifamily renting years are really 20s and early 30s. The median age in the REIT portfolio is 31 years old, and 55% of residents are younger than 35. At the same time, similar to student housing, we're building a record amount of multifamily. Um, and again, I think that it's a lot of developers looking at you know past growth and, and how much the millennial cohort has benefited multifamily and building for something that might have been yesterday's news. So um, those are some areas that we're focused on. And on the, the other end, the baby boomer side, 10,000 are reaching retirement age of 65 every day. Um, all will have passed retirement by 2030. So um, you know, once once retired, some may prefer communal lifestyle living uh, and independent living you know, care settings. Um, others might desire to age in their home, but health needs will increase, leading to um, outsized demand for senior housing, particularly assisted living. And, and Rob, we just went through earnings season here. Are you seeing these types of secular tailwinds really playing out across those different property types? Absolutely. Yeah, we're really seeing it reflected in in the results. So uh, to start with looking at single family rentals versus multifamily, if we look at new leasing spreads, which is taking an existing home or apartment unit um, and re-renting it out to a new tenant, we're seeing leasing spreads that are four times higher for single-family rentals than multifamily. So, you know, we're seeing zero, one, two percent growth in multifamily rents versus uh, seven, eight, nine percent for single-family rentals. And then also on the senior housing side, we're seeing occupancy ramp very nicely post-COVID, and rents are increasing mid to high single digits. So it is playing out real time here. Rob, as you think about baby boomers aging, it's not just housing, right? I mean, there's other areas of the real estate ecosystem being you know, impacted, uh, particularly as we're looking for high levels of care, therapies and treatments. How's that affecting the life science space? Yeah, it's uh, clearly a, a large and growing market uh, to address, you know, any health issue really in the country. And there are very exciting developments here. And AI is just accelerating drug discovery and drug development. And we're seeing, again, really exciting developments there. Um, so long term, very, very strong demand tailwinds for for biosciences and lab space in particular. I will call out that short term, uh, we're seeing record amounts of supply there, too. I think, again, uh, builders saw all the demand that was going on you know, before COVID and, and during COVID uh, in terms of renting life science space and uh, got a little ahead of their ski. So we're seeing a bit of a normalization near term. Uh, the positive news is that starts are down quite a bit and you know we have you know, fairly high expectations uh, in the medium to long term, but near term, again, it'll be more of a moderation. And these generations, as kind of given their size, are also a big part of that consumption story. And Rob, you touched on that a little bit earlier, but how is this impacting the way that we might think about an area like retail real estate? Yeah, so, you know, I'd say that 
retail, you know, in the public markets in a lot of ways was left for dead once e-commerce really took off. Uh, millennials were very quick to adopt technology and particularly buying online and just going to Amazon for their everyday needs. Um, but, you know, it's very nuanced, I would say. Um, you know, there's certain aspects that still struggle today. You know, regional malls uh, that are not dominant in their trade markets are, are struggling. Power centers more so than grocery anchored. There is one specific area that we're very favorable on, which would be essential services retail which is more services-based consumption. So think Starbucks, haircut. As millennials leave cities and move out to the suburbs, these are services that are in very high demand. And it's even been, you know, the, the proliferation of hybrid work has really added demand here because in the suburbs, they're not necessarily commuting into the office. If you're staying at home one, two, three days a week, and you're really shopping at your, your neighborhood shopping center by your home, that really adds an element of demand. So there's a lot of, uh, of angles coming together here to, to benefit that particular type of retail. And Rob, we've been focused a lot on the property type impact of demographic shifts, but there's also a big geographic story that's, you know, been playing out and accelerated through COVID and is now, you know, evolving again as, you know, people move around the country. Now, what, what's happening uh, geographically from your seat? Yeah, so we saw a big pull forward uh, is what I would call it of some of that demand. Um, we saw a massive amount of migration out of the coastal locations and into the Sun Belt. Today, real time, we're certainly seeing a bit of a moderation. Jobs across the economy are a little bit less plentiful than they were uh, one or two years ago. Also, the rent gap has narrowed. So it was, you know, had been thousands of dollars more affordable uh, on a monthly basis in some cases to leave a high-priced city like New York and San Francisco and move to somewhere like Austin. But as all that demand flowed into a city like Austin, rents did as well. So the gap is a little bit more narrow uh, than it was before. So right now we're seeing a little bit less migration. Long term, though, we are still expecting continued migration, largely due to political reasons. Um, but near term, you know, between kind of just a pullback in, in, in job growth uh, on the margins and then uh, new supply of apartments in a lot of these high growth Sunbelt markets, uh, we're certainly seeing a moderation in fundamentals on the real estate side. But from a migration standpoint, um, we expect the trends to, to persist for, for quite a while here. Super interesting stuff. I mean, something like demographics, which are going to be impacting our economy, impacting the way that we're utilizing real estate, that's really happening despite what might be happening from an economic perspective. And one of the reasons why we like to really think about some of these secular types of demand drivers that are influencing the way that we utilize real estate and how we think about investing. Um, so thanks a lot, Rob, for, for joining us and laying out a lot of these unique aspects of of how demographics are really shaping the way that we think about real estate here across the U.S. That's it for today. Uh, we'll, we'll wrap up here and, and we'll be back soon with, with another episode of Front and Center. Thanks for listening to Front and Center. You can subscribe on your favorite streaming platform and please be sure to leave us a review. To stay up to date, you can visit our website at centersquare.com to access our thought leadership sign up for our mailing list, or contact our team. We look forward to hearing from you. The content of this podcast is informational only and represents the viewpoints of the presenters at the time of recording. It should not be regarded as a solicitation nor investment advice. All information presented is subject to change at any time based on new data, analysis, or market conditions. Past performance is no guarantee of future results.